Welcome back to The Great Indoors. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to tell you about our next season, which will be recorded live at MWC Barcelona from February the 26th to the 29th. You'll hear from industry experts, explore new innovations, and gain new insight into the world of connectivity. New episodes coming early March, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, you've guessed it, TGI is back in Las Vegas. Welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast where we look at the technological implications brought about by the next industrial revolution and how this can potentially help solve the biggest problems facing humanity. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me is my co-pilot and producer, Larissa Yee. And this time, some even more special guests. So for this new season, we have episodes that focus specifically on Canada and also interviews that we recorded at MWC Las Vegas this year. And that's where we'll start today, in fabulous Las Vegas. And for the third year in a row, The Great Indoors is the GSMA's official podcast for MWC Las Vegas, the biggest technology and telecom show in the United States. Unfortunately, however, for various reasons, I couldn't make the trip to Nevada this year, so I asked a good friend to help me out. And that good friend is Amdocs' own Mike McDade. Now, Mike hosts his own Amdocs podcast, Your Career, Is It Choice or Chance? And that's why he's a perfect stand-in to join the TGA family for this special week. So I'm really excited to introduce Mike to the family. I know he's had a great time in Las Vegas with some great guests. So take it away, Mike. Thank you, Matt. You are right. I am thrilled to be hosting the podcast from wonderful Las Vegas. It was a terrible sacrifice for me to go to Las Vegas, I have to be honest. I went with high aspirations, and I returned with, with less money than what I started with. So, But I guess this is the uh, the moral of the Las Vegas story, right? So I did want to highlight before we start that one of the new things that we introduced this season is the TGI Open Mic. And with the TGI Open Mic, we opened the great indoors to the wider population at MWC Las Vegas. Uh, to get the pulse of everything that they were hearing, they were thinking, they were seeing, we invited all of the attendees to join us there and to share their viewpoints on the hottest topics of the day across the wide world of technology. In this episode, I'm joined by Juan Carlos Garcia, the SVP of Technology, Innovation, and Ecosystems at Telefonica. We spent some time talking about how Telefonica operates across multiple countries and multiple continents. We also talked a little bit about how 5G looks different in those different contexts. We talked about the Open Gateway Initiative and more broadly how service providers are opening up their network and exposing their network via APIs and otherwise to drive new service and new revenue and how he thinks that's a a critical inflection point for the industry's evolution. We also talked a little bit about their future plans. Juan Carlos thinks about ecosystems in co-creation, particularly in a lab environment and some of the different global initiatives. And I hope you'll get a little bit of perspective out of the discussion. Welcome to the Great Indoors Las Vegas MWC 23 edition. I am delighted to be hosting our session today with Juan Carlos Garcia, the SVP of Technology, Innovation, and Ecosystems Telefonica. Juan Carlos, welcome to the show. Yeah, happy to be here with you. Glad you're here. Glad you managed to uh, make some time to join us. I know it's a uh, it's a busy schedule. These events are always uh, always a little hectic, and you can probably hear from the uh, sound behind us that 
uh, things are busy, but I, I'm glad you could join us. So I, I, maybe it would be helpful if you could start, give us a little bit of background on, on you, you know, who you are, what you're doing today, that kind of thing, and then we'll, we'll jump into some of, the, some of the details. Well, my name is Juan Carlos Garcia. I'm Senior Vice President for the Neural Innovation and Ecosystems at Telsonca Group. I'm working in the company for 33 years now, so it's a long time. And right now, I'm responsible for the middle innovation and ecosystems, pushing many initiatives inside the company that go across different network and IT domains, and also trying to find for each of our technological challenges the right place to, to develop them, the right organization, ecosystem, our community, where Telefonica together with partners can face you know, the, the challenges that we have in terms of technology or as well. Sure. It's a really interesting concept, because eh? when you first started explaining your role, I was going to ask you about how you facilitate the innovation right, in, in an organization like Telefonica. Telefonica is a large organization. Right? So you, you guys are, are spanning countries and, and different uh, market populations, 13, 13 countries, is that right? Yeah, yeah 13 countries, yeah. 350 million customer lines. Wow. It's a big, uh, it's a big reach across, uh, across markets and across regions, right? So you made an interesting comment that I, maybe I wanted to like double click on that a little bit too. Oh, this idea of finding the right place in the organization to facilitate the growth, right? To facilitate the innovation. So like, how do you do that? How do you go about making sure that you build this, this infrastructure that supports that? We first need to understand the internal challenges. We also need to develop a network with other partners and operators understand very well the organizations, associations, and communities that are developing technologies, and then try to match all these things. Every time we need to develop, for instance, an open run solution, so which is the place where open run is being developed sure. in industry, what are the important partners, operators, or whatever, no? and, and the same happens with the cloud, sure. uh, with autonomous networks, with um, edge computing, with network slicing, so with each of the topics, I think uh, the question is to understand where we want to go, and then who is better prepared in the market to help us you know, in developing uh, top technology in space. Maybe this actually is interesting, because I, I honed in on innovation right when you started, but, but really the second part of your title is around ecosystems, right? And this, I, I think, is obviously an increasingly important uh, thing, or at least in our mind, right? It, 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 we see ecosystems as, uh, as growing in importance as enterprise, you know, adoption scales and all sorts of uh, different uh, technological evolutions occur yeah. and things like that. When you think of ecosystems in the context of initiatives, right, and projects and the things that you guys are trying to tackle at Telefonico, what does that look like? Is it is it core competencies that, that Telefonica, you know, that you feel very comfortable, very passionate about as an organization, and then you bring in certain partners to help you get there, or how, how does that look? Well, there are different ways no, of generating or identifying or, or creating the ecosystem. No? One can be, as to say, in developing an initiative and then ask for partners sure. no, to join you, finding the right ones, push it in the, in, in the right body, and another one is, is just joining an existing sure. initiative. So for this reason, it's very, very good to understand the industry, who is doing what, sure. which place, and then try not to replicate or, or duplicate is, what others are doing. Right? Okay, this, yeah. is, this is a big challenge for the telecom industry. Sure. The risk of fragmentation is always yeah. there. And uh, part of my job is trying to make things converge. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. As well. It's converging all the all the disparate tracks into a logical, uh, into a logical structure, right? So I, I think probably for those uh, 
who are listening, they won't see the shirt that you're wearing today, but the shirt that you're wearing today actually talks about Open Gateway. So can you maybe maybe this is a good way to showcase how those ecosystems work in practice. So can you give us a little like a little primer on, on what Open Gateway is and how it works? Well, Open Gateway is an initiative now that we, GSMA launched in the last World World Congress in Barcelona. The announcement was around uh, an agreement that uh, a number of operators, I think there were 19 at that time, now, now we have 35 already, uh, that signed an agreement to commit to launch in 2024 uh, commercial services based on APIs, on the digital services that are made available to customers through programming interfaces. Okay, And uh, the agreement includes and also a commitment to follow certain standards, the ones that are defined in the Camara project and in the foundation on the technical side, and also to stick to some kind of agreement templates to facilitate the, you know, the creation of the network that is required is to be able to uh, deliver these API services in a universal way. Sure. Okay, this means that uh, you know you can find the same API in Telefonica, but also in any other operators sure. anywhere in the world. But, you know, technically, but you know that makes sense in terms of what what the Open Gateway is trying to achieve, right? But outcome-wise, in terms of how it impacts, you know, broader connectivity and things like that, what's the like, you know, the purpose or the sort of north star there? Well, the, the intention is uh, trying to incorporate in the telecom portfolio and a new paradigm of services sure. that are uh, sold uh, online as a service. Uh, and this is uh, a way in which we haven't sold uh, services in the past, or at least in a, in a very limited way. Services like the cloud computing services are sold yep. today and many other digital services, and the telecom industry is moving you know, towards sure. these sure. uh, kind of models. It is, of course, a challenge for us because we have never uh, done this. It's a new model, right? And uh, right. we have tried to, to do this in the past sure. several times and failed. So we are trying uh, once again. Sometimes it takes us a little while to, to get there, right? Because we, we will be there. So we will fail. And, and to that end, and you, and I think you mentioned it, but commercial, right? So I always think about, you know, monetization of services, right, as, as a major, you know, the overarching thing that we think about, right, when we, when we talk about service offering. So, you know, you mentioned cloud providers. So I assume that looks different, right, the typical mobile subscription service that you have today, right? So somebody access, is it API call-based or something? It's a, it's a different model, right? Yes, exactly. In traditional services, you know the customer, you sell directly to a consumer, sure. you sell directly to an enterprise. You know where he lives, right? You know, you know the address. You know the everything. Yeah. And when you sell APIs and data services, sure. you know the relationship is consumed by servants, right? Okay. It's, you know, yeah. It is an application that is calling your right. yeah, your service, and that application may be uh, used by any customer anywhere in the world. Sure. Okay? So yeah. then, but you don't have this data relationship with the customer. You have a relationship with a new kind of customers sure. that is the application developer, the solution provider. Right. Right. Uh, and he's the one that is and in, in that way do you think about you know we always talk about it in the sort of general market language of new revenue streams service providers right so do you do you think do you think about it in that way do you say okay we're exposing the network for us this is not cannibalizing you know traditional enterprise or consumer services it's a new service offering we, we are going to monetize it a different way and, and it looks different as an industry is that is that how you think about us yes yes something we also think that the telecoms will also consume this api sure to develop new, rich, uh, innovative services for our customers, of course. But we think that the possibilities that the uh, uh, network technology is offering today uh, can be used by many other partners to develop uh, innovative solutions. Sure. Private telecom operators may not be able to, to, to develop 
all the applications that can you know, benefit from the, from the big opportunities that the technology is offering there to us. And for this reason, it's important to open the capabilities to others for others to, to really exploit you know, the full benefits of 5G sure. or fiber to the home and sure. in the service. And got it. So I, I wanna, maybe I, I, I drilled us into the ecosystems part, but I want to maybe go back a little bit to the, to the basics, to the foundation. So when we think about Telefonica broadly, you know, you have a luxury in a way of looking at different markets yeah. under the Telefonica umbrella. So how do you address that, right? How do you address all these different market segments, these different maturities in the technology? Because we, we know it is different in different regions. So how does that look day to day? Well, Telefonica was an organization that's organized the business in basically five units, five markets. Spain, of course, the the original market, Germany, UK, Brazil, these are the four big markets sure. where we are having a leading position. And then we have uh, in Latin America, that, where we have a set of eight uh, additional uh, markets, mm -hmm. where the conditions are uh, a bit specific and need to, to be addressed uh, but in a different way. No? Uh, in these markets, IRTUs are lower, economic conditions are probably uh, different. Sure. Uh, and you need to take this into consideration. Yeah. But this is not meaning that, uh, you know, it's, it's not a priority for us. And uh, we uh, have to apply there a lot of uh, additional initiatives sure. uh, looking for efficient solutions for the same services. Good and deliver those services. Our customers there demand exactly the same. Sure. That is ubiquitous connectivity and broadband. Yep. Okay, and they want it everywhere. We need to find ways to deliver that in an efficient and sustainable way. And this is the this is the, the challenge. The main challenge. Uh, and this makes Latin America the leading market where efficiency is uh, the key element. And you see strong initiatives in, in things like network setting, sure. initiatives like uh, the creation of ventures with other operators and partners to deploy fiber to the home. Sure. That is something that you cannot afford to go on your own. Right. You, need, you need to collaborate much more with, the, with other partners in the industry. And, and I think Latin America is an example for us in, in many aspects. Just out of curiosity, does it does it influence the, I assume it does, influence the type of technology you invest in there? So in other words, like spectrum investment in the US might look like one thing versus uh, Europe, but you know, maybe you go heavier on fixed wireless access versus fiber or something like that. So, so when you think about serving these different markets, I assume it's the full menu of connectivity essentially. Yeah, that, that is true, but uh, fiber to the home, for instance, is equally important for us sure, in sure. America than in Europe. We find different ways to get there. Uh, 5G also will be sure. will come probably a bit later, but it's also equally important. And uh, what we are finding is special solutions because Latin America is a very yeah. big continent. Yeah. Okay? We need to find solutions to reach uh, or to connect customers that are hard to reach, not that they live sure. in low, dense uh, population areas. Uh, and for them, we are inventing technology. So we yeah. have a uh, we run a very innovative project in, in, in telecom infra project in yep. organization. Yep. Yep. It was called Internet for All yep. in yep. Peru. We found new technologies to be able to reach in a sustainable way in locations that were, you know, very far from, from high-density areas. So. And this has resulted in a neutral host today that is providing service to other operators in these previously unconnected areas sure. that we are not connected. And this has set an example for the rest of the region. So, and, and one of the comments you made I think is super interesting because I, I think, you know, we, we live in very different parts of 5G maturity, right? We talk about different parts of the world and in some places, you know, we're here in Las Vegas right now, the big the big story is, you know, 
5G standalone networks with private enterprise networks built on top of them to serve different verticals, right? That looks different in different parts of the world, right? It, it's yeah. different uh, capabilities. There's different, you know, levels of maturity in terms of the technology rollout. The customers you serve in Spain, for example, versus the customers you serve in Latin America, you know, I assume there are different points on that maturity part. I think the customer demands the same. Of course, the, the, the demand is a level of maturity sure. is probably the development of our network. It, it takes a bit longer yeah. in Latin American countries. And it's not just a question of, uh, of course, it's also the nature of, of, the, the, of the countries. Yeah. They're yeah. very wide. The it's, geography is it's, it's the, like the, the, the geopolitical like thing. The U.S. Yeah. is huge, no? Yeah, yeah, like for sure. It's so well. And uh, it's difficult to reach some of the population. Yeah. It's costly, and, and as I told you, in many cases, we need to collaborate with other operators to yeah. jointly deploy infrastructure. Yeah. But this is playing the, the difference in that and the macroeconomic situation. But I appreciate the comment that it's, the demand is always the same, right? However you get there, it's, it's less, of a, less of a concern. TGI. Open my name is Mats Grandert and I'm the Director General of GSMA. Today, a little bit more than 50% of the world is connected to a mobile broadband network. That is sort of 55-60% of the world. But 40%, that is 3.4 billion people, are not connected. They are excluded from this digital world that we are all enjoying. And, you know, when I retire, I don't want to see a world where only sort of half of the world is part of it and the other half is not. So we need to double down, pull up our socks and do whatever we can for the remaining 40%, the 3.4 billion people. Now, that 3.4 billion is actually two different gaps. The smaller one, which is 5%. That's the coverage gap. That's people living in areas where there is no mobile broadband coverage. No 3G, no 4G, no 5G. There might be 2G networks, but that's not mobile broadband. So it's 400 million people that we have to cover. Those people cannot connect. They cannot, there's no mobile broadband. 400 million people. Now, the big portion, the 35%, the 3.0 billion people, huge number of people. They live beneath a mobile broadband network, a 3, 4 or 5G network, but they are not able to connect. So we need to really work in, in private-public partnerships to make sure that we bridge these two gaps, the usage gap and the coverage gap. Governments need to fund activities like we have here in the US, the BEAD and the ACP. We need more of that globally. So this is not just an issue in, in low or middle income countries. It's the same in, in Europe, same in Sweden where I'm from or here in the US. There is sort of 10-15% of the population that are not connected to internet. So that is a key issue. We are here to solve that with, at MWC Las Vegas. You and I, you know, know that AI is not a new domain, right? It's been around for a long time. I think everyone has forgotten about AI and all of a sudden zoomed in on generative AI, right? Which is okay. It's a, it's a new trend. Can we maybe start with Telefonica's kind of perspective and, and your perspective on AI broadly, and then and then we'll kind of jump into Gen AI? Well, our experience on AI is, is very long. I think we started more than 15 years ago on the topic, uh, and we've already run more than 400 different use cases on sure. artificial intelligence. So we know what we can do with that. Sure. So far, we had a uh, 20 experience with a kind of AI that was 
generating models to solve specific problems. Sure. So models for planning, models for yeah, customer care, right, for ticketing, uh, yeah, yeah. models for whatever. And that encouraged us to, to launch the, probably what is the, the most important innovation project in the company that is called Autonomous Network. This is a, a project that is going across the organization sure. uh, and is trying to take the networks and IT systems to the level of automation that will allow us to have a very competitive, sustainable, and uh, advanced network in no? sure. the future. In this uh, autonomous uh, networks journey, we have considered so far, of course, and data and artificial intelligence is a key element. We have launched it in all our markets sure. so, uh, so far, and then uh, we have even communicated last week our target to reach to level four autonomy in 2025 already in some network. And, and how do you define level four for people who don't know the, the scale, I guess? Level four means that uh, certain uh, activities work in close loop. Okay. That is the yep. network identifies what is the situation, sure. uh, analyze what, what happens, assess what are the options to, to solve it, and then take a decision and make it, uh, apply it in the network, sure. okay? Yeah. Without intervention of the humans or just with monitoring from you. Sure. Okay. And this is something that will start happening in some network domains in 2025. And uh, well, with respect to generative AI, this kind of large language models, they are probably offering a way to, to correlate multiple domains sure. and have multimodal views yep. of the network, multiple dimensions, and have an understanding of the network in general sure. that can help to solve many problems, not just a specific ones. Yeah, and this is the difference with the previous artificial intelligence uh, models. These new ones really are, are often has a, a knowledge of the other network can correlate things that we never thought it would correlation. You wouldn't have identified the use case. Right? Uh, this yeah. is because of the the capacity they have to work on a vast amount of data sure. uh, and be able to predict things that, that you could never imagine. Sure. This is one thing. And the second and is that, that you can communicate with this technology with human numbers. And I think this is why we saw things like ChatGPT click off, right? Everyone said, oh, it's easy with you. It's a, it's a Google, right? I can interact with it in like a relatively yeah. normal way, right? Yes, especially in the network environment. In the network, for sure. You need for to be sure. very careful yeah. with the accuracy of yes. the results of generative AI. That's why you need to complement it with digital twins or knowledge graphs or other uh, instruments that yeah. allows you to be yeah. more accurate on the predictions and the decisions. Yeah, I think this is all that, you know, we, we see the, the kind of emergence of these new worlds, right, when people are instead reviewing, right, instead of authoring. And it's, it's this shift in responsibility. I think everyone... Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how things pan out as the technology matures, right? But we went away from this, you know, 40% of jobs are going away tomorrow to, okay, hold on a second. Like, it looks different tomorrow, right? It's, it's different roles. People, you know, reviewing things are being involved in higher value parts of the chain, right? And, and less of this, like, manual and labor type of work. If we don't use tools like that, we will not be able to understand the networks in the future we get. Every day you have different kinds of applications and services. The network traffic is not so predictable right. or deterministic. It's not as it was in the traditional wireless players at home broadband and then you're, you're uh, on your own, right? So traffic patterns, yeah. the behavior of the network changes with new applications and services and it's changing so fast that probably with human means it's very difficult to track. That's a, it's, a, it's a really good point because we, I, and, I, and I like it in a way to, to you know, the, the kind of cloud scalability, right, of like yesteryear, right? This idea that it just has to be able to, A, you have to maintain the, kind of, as we talk about, mission-critical uh, carrier-grade kind of uh, infrastructure, but at the same time, you, you still need the scalability, right? You still need the flexibility, and as the, as you mentioned uh, early on, right, if you're opening access to the network and creating new ways to, to consume the, the network services, right, 
all of a sudden you need to build for all of that, right? You need to be able to support it. And then, you know, Gen AI is a, is a super interesting space, but I, I think we all have seen the early uh, results of some of those some of those projects. And I'm uh, probably 50-50 myself on how reliable it is. Uh, I, we are testing it. Yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> For sure. And I think it will take time to be mature enough to be a uh, sound basis for our network operations. Sure. And we need to start now sure. trialing it, assessing it, learning it, right. yeah. and then trying to know not only the benefit it brings, but also the cost. Yeah. It implies. Sure. It's I mean, very expensive. It's yeah. a lot of yeah. processing capacity, a lot of data yeah. that you have to manage. And the cost is not just on, on the data processing, it's also in the data collection, sure. uh, the data curation. No? You need to have very good data. The data infrastructure it is, in a way, it, right, it's even worse. We needed data lakes of a certain form and in different platforms before it, it now gets, I'll have to say more complicated, but it's more important that you have that solid infrastructure in place, right, to, to be able to use these tools in a smart way. It's evolving, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. I think what's happening is good. And now testing with some partners. Mm -hmm. Like Meta, okay, uh, yeah, large language models, uh, exactly to see how exactly we can uh, use it properly in Germany. Sure, yeah, I know this is uh, obviously a, a part where there's uh, a place there's a lot of value, I think, but also a lot of risk. TGI, open mic. Hi, my name is Patrick Kelly. I'm founder and principal analyst at Appledore Research. Uh, one of the things we're looking at is how operators will deploy generative AI in their environment. So we're looking at use cases that run the full gamut, everything from chatbots to augmenting uh, customer service reps, right down to looking at perhaps uh, detecting root cause anomalies in the network infrastructure, capacity planning, et cetera. So uh, a lot going on here operators looking at how they can lower their overall OPEX, improve productivity, and potentially generate revenue in the generative AI space. So I want to touch on one other thing. You're involved in a few uh, advisory boards and things like that. One of them is Five Tonic. I wanted to see, maybe you could give us a quick uh, two-liner on what, what yeah. the focus is there. Well, in Sustany is now eight years old, so we started okay. in, in 2015 um, with the intention to to generate a space for co-creation, okay. creation of technology, and also on applications over the technology. Sure. Okay. And this is um, an initiative that we launched together with India, that is a, a research um, center from the um, government of Madrid, the Madrian government where we invited the only partners that are very relevant. It was Ericsson, Comscope, sure. Intel at the time, InterDigital, uh, and uh, many others, to try to create a, a space where we could have a 5G technology in advance to its commercial environment in the network. Sure. Okay, so the intention of Fiftani is always to be a step ahead of what you can find in the current production networks and create a space for partners to come and test the technology and see how it works. Okay, and even, develop new technologies that uh, still don't have a, a space in the, in the commercial performance. No? Uh, an example was, this is a collaborator Cohere technology, where we were trying new modulation techniques sure. that were still not a standard at that time and that now are becoming a standard in, in, in CPT. So, yeah. And then, yeah, I think the joint, it's funny, we we founding members uh, of the 5G Open Innovation Lab, which is an organization in, in the West Coast in the US, with T-Mobile and some others uh, there. 
and it worked in a similar way to kind of bring in partners. We had, we had a few early use cases in the state of Washington uh, and some of the county governments there. Super interesting because when you when you sit in a room, right, with, with everybody that isn't your, your uh, yourself, right, and your daily uh, your daily interactions, all of a sudden you come up with something really cool, right? Yeah. Um, our intention in the office is not just to have technology companies, which are, I mean, we enjoy technology and of course, we have a lot of fun with that, but to bring customers as well so that they can test how the technology can help them. Yeah, and yeah. In this case, we have had uh, customers from all sectors, so from health, from mobility, from transport, from manufacturing, sure. uh, from robotics, uh, coming at, you know, running their applications and cases. Some of them decided to have a permanent place in our maps. They're a partner now, right? So. The case, for instance, of ABB Robotics, sure. they are, you know, integrating the, the, the robots with 5G networks in our lab in, in Festoy. This is just because they see an environment in which you can enjoy all kind of 5G core and radio capabilities. Sure. Yeah, I think that it, it's funny. We, so oil was one thing we, we focused on, and we also built uh, just at AMDAPS. We, we built our uh, our own lab in, in Dallas, in our in our office in, in Texas. And it was a very similar approach, actually. I, I wasn't familiar with Biotonic at the time, but I, but I since uh, learned about it. And I, I'm taking uh, some comments down as, as you speak, because, you know, we, we had a, a similar spirit, right? A similar idea. I, I wonder... Technology scale, right, and 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 validation, right, is obviously an important part of this. Do you see it more as the R and B, or do you see it more as a commercial angle, or, or both? Like, like, what's the ideal outcome in in, in the case of Vitonic? We want to cover both. Yeah, and, and I think dedicating to one or to another, sure. something other labs are doing. We like to combine these two things, and because again, in many cases, sectors needs to make their mind on what the technology can do for them. Sure. If they, they start uh, experiencing this when the technology is commercially available, probably it's too late. Uh, and we have found this um, something very rich. And in fact, we are now thinking on how we are evolving beyond 5G. Sure. This is That's what actually going to be my next question, is where do you go from here, right? So for how we go from 5 tonic to 6 tonic. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> exactly. I know it's funny, we, we actually had the same discussion because we, we called our lab the 5G Experience Lab. Okay. And we're like, well, okay, but well, we should probably change it now, right? Like, do we just change it to the Experience Lab? Do we change it to set, like Enterprise? Like, the, what's the next horizon, right, of, uh, of the things that we're focused on? I think now that we see some level of maturity of the technology, right, it also forces a focus on different things, right? Maybe one of the last questions I have for you is, is you know, if you're thinking about the next 12 months, I, I'm sure you have ambitious goals, but uh, much like uh, other guests of our of the grid indoors here, what gets you excited? Is there something that, you know, nine months from now you want to be able to say we achieved and we're happy about this? Is there, it doesn't have to be uh, telephonic, it can be technology, but just, just in general. Well, we, we already mentioned Open Gateway. Yeah, yeah, of course. The expectation scale, yeah. More than the expectation, the commitment. Sure. She's to launch commercially sure. these API services next year. So. Sure. And the expectation is that uh, progressively the portfolios of APIs gets consolidated and grows. So. Sure. Uh, and as well, the amount of operators that are joining. Okay, so this is, this is one side. The other side, uh, where we are taking significant efforts, is on the development of all that. Cloud solutions for telco. Sure. Okay. And uh, what we think uh, there is still a space for improvement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. And this is probably the basis of all the digitalization work we need to do. So we need to find a way to have a cloud infrastructure that is the uh, carrier grade, that is industrial, sure. and uh, can be easily operated by and deployed and operated by telecom operators. We are not yet there, but we need it. Yeah. We move 
the access network to the cloud. Sure. Right now we have a limited cloud for, for the core network. Sure. But when the cloud is connected to the access, we will need you know a solution that is industrial, carrier grade, and we will see developments in that uh, area. Big ambition from initiatives from the Linux Foundation. We have Silva, yeah. Anuket, Nithio. With all these projects in the Indonesia will help us to get there. And uh, we will see as well planning uh, progress uh, on the autonomous networks journey program uh, related to the data layer. So uh, we mentioned that it's very important to have the data well uh, curated at a manage. Uh, I think first steps to implement pervasively the artificial intelligence is to have a good data layer and that is where we're doing significant improvements in the testing of AI. That's already a pretty a pretty so, tall yeah, order for two many, many others. So I mean, <laughs> you're on many fronts. Sure. I had researching on now quite a lot. Sure. And opening activities on on uh, quantum communications. Yeah. This is this is a uh, next gen you know next gen exactly. capabilities, right? So we are, this is more on exploration phase, of course. Sure. And it, but for quantum cryptography, it's starting yeah, yeah. Uh, quite essential. Quantum key distribution technologies, so all this stuff is stuff in which I'm fascinated, but also in other initiatives we are ready to turn. Yeah, great. I mean, it, it's obviously uh, you have a busy a busy 12 months ahead of you for sure. For my part, I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with us. I know it's a busy day, it's a busy event. I have one other thing that I'll ask you. We we have something that we call TGI to go. It's the great indoors to go. TGI to go. So the first one, Elvis or Frank Sinatra? I would say okay. I just watched the film on the way from here. I feel like in Vegas you have to say you love Frank Sinatra because it's like a yeah. it's like a theme, right? But but Elvis also paid you for sure. For sure, it's not uh, it's not just him. I, I I'm sure there's probably an Elvis restaurant that I don't know about. Yes, I'm stood here. It's so funny. Like every time I mention a a singer name or a celebrity, oh yeah, they had a residency here. Okay, right, that's fantastic. All right, number two, uh, Kaba or Sangria. Kava. Uh, yes. It's funny, I think like 50% uh, of people know what it is, other people don't. I will tell you, I, I love Pinto de Rao. It's okay. kind of sangria. Okay, okay. got it. Got it. Okay, so what was not in the, it's the it's list? Got it, got it. Okay. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Today I'm a fan of Star Wars. Okay. I was, when I was young, so well. right? but okay. Star Wars is becoming, you know, incredibly uh, rich. I feel like it's more, it's like they, they just continue to build on the Star Wars franchise. Right? Like, they are doing amazing things. Sure. They, yeah. But, and yeah, I mean, they're keeping it alive, right? For sure. Uh, Munich or Milan? And I must say Munich. I was living Not four years in Munich. So yeah, I remembered a little bit about the background. So Munich is a favorite. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's Germany's beautiful in general. Uh, last one, hiking or biking? Bike. Okay. I have a mountain bike. Are you, a, are you an avid biker to, uh, just your weekends or? Yes. Ah, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. I like to go in, in the mountain with it's your, it's your, uh, mental refresh before you come into the, to the week of, of chaos. So yeah. great. Great. Well, uh, again, uh, I really appreciate you joining us. It was, uh, you, I think, a fantastic and insightful discussion. Uh, if you find yourself back here at uh, MWC Las Vegas, I hope you'll join us again. For always, always over the repeat guests. And, and uh, thank you very much. I had a great time talking with Juan Carlos in this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did, please leave us a review on your preferred platform of choice for podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to mdocs.com forward slash the great indoors. Thanks for listening.